Thank you for listening to Mailbox Money, your guided tour through safe, sacred, and speculative investing with a plan and a purpose to do more good with newfound peace of mind. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Mailbox Money. Uh, this week's show is it's a good one. Um, it's really important for every investor along every you know, step of, of your journey here. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about taxes. So it may seem like uh, not the most exciting topic. However, I, and I can't stress this enough, tax and tax efficiency inside of investment portfolios and inside of your financial plan is extremely important. Um, if you don't have an optimized plan, a tax-optimized plan, um, you're going to be spending a lot more money than you want to. And so just by understanding a few key concepts, types of accounts, structures, types of funds, um, you can really do yourself a favor and increase the amount of money that you have, decrease the amount of money that you have to pay uh, in a tax bill. And so that makes everybody better off, makes your retirement easier. We're going to go through a couple of different uh, topics here. The first one we're going to talk about is how you build a tax-efficient playbook. Um, there's a lot to understand when it comes to exchange-traded funds versus mutual funds versus stocks. We're going to hammer through that one. We're going to talk about tax-efficient accounts. So there's lots of different types of investment accounts out there. We're going to go through a couple of them and the importance to where you can use each type of account. Um, we're going to talk about tax efficiency by location. This is an interesting one, especially in the last couple of years. We've seen a lot of people moving to different parts of the world, moving away from certain parts of the world. We're going to talk about how where you live can make a big difference um, in your tax bill and ultimately how much money you get to keep, how much of your hard-earned money you can keep. And then kind of the mindset here of, you know, just looking at this conceptually, making sure you're making the best decision for yourself. Um, a lot of the times people get distracted by tax bills and they can avoid, you know, they ignore conveniently gains that they've made. And so we're going to talk how you need to think about taxes and, and the best way to kind of make decisions based off of, you know, your, your tax rate, your individual decision or uh, position, growth and all that. But we're going to lead this off with one of the best topics here, uh, ETFs, exchange traded funds and their tax efficiency. So Ryan, I'm going to let you kick it off as uh, the head of kind of our ETF. And you've been in this for a long time. Um, let's talk about the benefits of using certain investment vehicles in terms of tax efficiency. And the entire mindset around any of these topics, it, it you either shut this off about two and a half minutes ago when Jackson said today's topic is taxes, or you really dig in and you view this as more offense than defense. And the numbers can be staggering if you look at this as an opportunity rather than, oh, how do I get away from? Um, and some people hate taxes so much, I, don't, I almost think they'd rather make less money so they don't have to. I, I don't I don't look at the game of capitalism that way. I want to see whatever the referee says the rules are, I'm going to go score more points and help people do that with you. Um, and, and I always look back, you know, I love vintage truths. Um, and it was 1737 that Benjamin Franklin, most people have heard a penny saved is a penny earned. That's actually not what he said. He said a penny saved is worth two pence clear. And what he meant by that and what, why this topic should be exciting is after taxes, you know, a penny saved is actually worth more because you didn't take any risk 
to keep that extra penny. If you're able to remove friction costs and the two biggest that we talk about on this show all the time is investment costs, the cost of doing business and taxes. If you can find extra pennies that's right. to keep and make that you did not have to risk your own pennies to get, it's actually worth significantly more than the penny saved. Um, that mindset and, and working hard, your family is, is counting on you. We'll talk about one of the opportunities that I know you're most excited about as we pledged a good portion of our career with this ETS. But if you're looking and thinking and would do anything in your power for your family to, I, I talk, I call it tax freedom day. And what's kind of sobering or exciting, depending on which side you're on, is it takes an average American household about 100 days working just to begin working for themselves on day 101. The first 100 days, you're just paying off last year's tax liability. So that tax freedom day come early spring, if you have the ability to move that day up with some smart strategies that we'll talk about the, some of the simplest ones here today, that's an enormous advantage over time. Um, and there really are two, I mean, whether you view this as unfair or fair, there are two systems of taxation in this country for the well-informed and not. And that's just a fact. So you owe it to yourself to work with somebody who knows where all of those pages in the play, IRS's playbooks are to fairly attack and keep more of what you earned, or you don't. Perfect example is when every year people with trillions of dollars in mutual funds get in tax bill that they did not expect or want. They were told invest for the long term and I'm going to be in it for 10 or 20 or 30 years. And a mutual fund, you pool your assets and no better system. And that used to be the case. That was the most efficient way to get started and diversify with one single decision. Except for inside of that pool, there's buying and selling decisions. When I go, when I, early in my career, when I would visit mutual fund managers' desks, I thought their first question of the day was what looks good? What are they excited about maybe buying or what are they worried about and they may be selling? The very first thing when they come into the office, they'll ask for show me the redemptions or additions because they are forced to either add to positions or to sell them. And what some people don't know is if let's say Jackson, a young family was just starting out, they believed in the long term, they thought they had a good plan and they invested their first thousand dollars, their first million dollars, whatever it is, Right. And day two, so they've held the fund for exactly one day. That mutual fund manager, because of some event in the market that spooked some of their shareholders, they were forced to sell shares that they may have owned for 13 years at a cost basis of $3. The 13-year fund shareholder and the one-day fund shareholder each split the tax bill. And there are enormous, scary, awful examples of even the most efficient. Vanguard here recently, as good as it gets, surprised their shareholders. So if you think you're going lean and cheap, make sure you understand the tax consequence. An ETF is simply a more sophisticated, better design. Um, give you an, a, They do not have to distribute capital gains. So that's an enormous advantage. Real simple math to put to put around this. If the same exact strategy was in a mutual fund and an ETF, and let's say theoretically they made 10%, this is a mythical example, 10% per year in profits, and the turnover, the buying and selling in each strategy 
was 100%. So all of the gains were short-term, just to make this math simple. 10% profits, $1 million in a mutual fund. After taxes, that 10% looks more like 6%, and your million dollars is about $4 million. Not bad, right? Not bad. This 30 years. Million dollars in the same strategy without capital gains distributions, same exact strategy, $1 million, close to $11 million, strictly on the different tax treatment. Yeah, those numbers are crazy. Um, the, the, the thing, so one thing I want to think about is the 100th day of the year. I don't know exactly how the math works out, but that's ironically pretty close to tax day. If my math is right. Um, and so when you're looking at doing everything right in your financial life, you're investing, you've got your, you think of everything that has to go right before you can get to the point of investing. Um, you're budgeting, you've got income, you know, you're doing everything right. You've got a good job or your business is successful. You pinch pennies. Now you get to the point where you can invest. And if you simply go invest and you invest via mutual funds, you know, you think you're doing everything right. By things out of your control entirely, your million dollars in the example grows to 4.3 is the math after 30 years. But if you simply just pick a more efficient vehicle exact same investments, exact same uh, returns to the fund on the fund level, almost 11 million. That's a big difference. Just simply same performance. You're not picking better stocks. You're not saving more money. You're not getting a better return. Just the efficiency of the vehicle um, makes you have double the amount of money. And hey, and, and just to be clear, if this, if this is, oh my gosh, how is that possible? We're not going to be able to cover the IRS rulings and the history of what went into this in the next couple of minutes. I will assure you, though, that you are not alone. Nine out of 10 professional advisors that I know when asked, because I did, because we went through this and spent two years of due diligence, they did not know that an actively traded strategy inside of an ETF had that tax treatment. That's professional advisors. Um, we cannot, for industry regulations, say the name or the ticker of the strategy that we run. Everything is on our website, including all disclosures. Um, we are not alone. There are a lot of smart folks that are moving money from mutual funds into ETFs. We personally believe in individual shares of stock as well. So we have private separately managed accounts and ETFs, both because you can completely control your tax treatment. If you are a stakeholder, which is how you and I met Jackson Wood. We had that in common many, many years ago. We wanted to buy and hold, and the stakeholder mentality That's right. is also very different. But if you buy and hold shares of a stock that goes up 10% a year, you also don't own any capital gains taxes. Nobody can affect. If 99 clients of anybody's firm or fund decide to sell, your shares are in your name. So when you hear private account, your own shareholder, which actually a fraction of the country is anymore individual shareholders. You and I, to the day, we're no longer doing this. I'm, I'm guessing 100, 102 is where I have our, per, our current financial plan. We will be individual stakeholders of companies directly. It's worked for a couple centuries, and it is the best tax treatment also. I want to point out also, 
individual holders of cryptocurrencies or tokens um, is the same as stock. You got that buzz because that's supposed to be a whole other show. That's a whole other series. (laughs) That's right. Um, I just want to go through an example really quickly. So I don't remember which year it was. I I think it was 2014. I'll go back and look at the look at my journal. But had a client that called in. The fund was down. Mutual fund was down. This is when I was sitting on the desk at a different firm. Um, and they said, my fund is down, but I just got a capital gain distribution that I'm going to have to pay tax on at the end of the year. It's like December. And then every year after that, on, the, on that same desk, I would just dread you know, these calls because mutual funds distribute and the share price may be down, but there may have been a gain that the fund captured you know, in the wild first quarter or second quarter or whatever that you have to pay tax on. Um, and that does not happen. I just want to reiterate, that does not happen in ETFs. It does not happen individual stocks that you control, um, individual coins or tokens, I suppose, that you hold. Um, you're, you're right You're right to bring that up. And a lot of folks listening to this haven't been through that. Even I was trying to be nice. You, you just took the gloves off. But you, you could, I, I'm old enough to have gone through two bear markets where the stock market's down 50, 50%. A mutual fund can be down 50% and you get a tax bill. Yeah, Think about right. that. Same thing with the bond fund. So we'll pivot here and talk about tax-free versus tax deferral in fixed income land. Right now, when rates are rising, happened in 94-2, your bond fund, your safest account, could be down and you owe taxes. I would rather own tax-free municipal bonds. We have a whole show on this, beautifully boring. Tax-free individual bonds that you hold in your own name, same exact scenario and mindset as the stakeholder of shares. Nobody can affect it. Nobody can force you to sell. There are no tax bills due from capital gains. Inside a bond fund, you have zero control over that. Um, So just real quick basics on if you're just getting started or if you're retiring with a big 401k, I'd like to just remind each of you at each end of the spectrum, a couple of things that I've seen. One, pay yourself first. The first thing you could do, take advantage of the tax rules. Open a 401k. Don't just go to the max. Go to the max. Put as much as you can away. You will figure out a way to live on the rest. And there's an enormous difference by doing that. It's one of the only tax breaks you get. So every dollar, if you're not maxing out, by the time it gets to you, it may be worth 60 cents. And no political bone in my body, but I don't think taxes are going down a whole heck of a lot, no matter what happens in the next several decades. We eventually have to pay for a lot of our decisions. Now, that dollar, if it goes into a 401k, is immediately put to work the entirety of it. So that's simple tax deferral. The other side, just as a kind of a heads up to think about for planning, that folks don't think about quite enough near when they want to be reunited with their money is a million dollars in a 401k, oh my gosh, I did it, or 10 million, whatever the number is, when you wanna get that money back, maybe worth about $600,000. And the old math tax rules were kind of built around when I retire, my income will go way down, I'll be in a lower tax bracket. We're finding very, very, very few investors with that scenario. So just remember, all of that tax, income tax rate is gonna be due, so that 401k, is going to be discounted. That's a very different scenario, and I know you're you've been opening a lot of Roth IRAs where it is tax-free 
upon withdrawal. I just want to go over the basics to make sure that folks have these tools. We're here to help directly and offer a guided tour, but I want to make sure we share enough information so that anybody can do this on their own wherever they are and get them to a better place. And a Roth IRA is a no-brainer if you qualify. Yeah, so Roth IRAs came around, I think, in the 80s. Um, but a Roth IRA is an after-tax account. So like a 401k, you put money in, you don't have to pay any tax on the money that you contribute into that account. It goes to work, like Ryan said, it grows. Then in retirement, when you pull the money out, you pay income tax. The idea is that you're in a lower bracket uh, at, at that point than when you're working. The Roth IRA is the other way around. So you contribute money that you've already paid the tax on, goes into the Roth IRA, but from that moment forward, you know, whether you're 20 when you put the dollar in or you're 50 when you put the money in, you never pay tax on the gain ever again. So if you think about it, you know, if you can afford to put 200, 300, 400 dollars a month into these accounts, and it's such a good tax benefit, I want to point out that they don't let you put all of your money in there. So you can only put $6,000 a year into a Roth IRA before they, they don't let you put any more in. But you put the money in, you put it into an efficient investment strategy inside of the Roth IRA. And what I want to point out one thing really quickly is we're talking about ETFs and stocks. That's what's happening inside of accounts. So there's taxable brokerage accounts, 401ks, Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, all kinds of accounts. Optimizing via individual equities or individual positions versus ETFs and mutual funds is what's happening inside. You zoom out a little bit. Now we're talking about optimizing the type of account that you hold investments in. And the Roth is one of my favorites. So you put after-tax money into the Roth. Then it just grows and it compounds, and you don't have to worry about paying tax on that ever again. So a million dollars in a Roth IRA after tax is worth significantly more than a million dollars in a 401k. Um, they do limit. So if you're a, a high earner and you know you've got income in the you know I think it's over three hundred thousand dollars of income, you can't qualify for the Roth IRA, so you have to use a different technique to put money in there. But when you're just starting out and you're young or when you have kids that are working and they get their first paycheck, um, they, they're able to put money into a Roth IRA and then it just grows and compounds. And if you think about having two, three, four, five, six, maybe decades of compounding returns inside of a Roth IRA and it's all tax-free, that becomes a very, very important part of your retirement plan. It's one of the reasons why with all of my younger clients, I bring up Roth IRAs. I light up when I can talk about this. It's not very often that the government gives you, not to pick on them, but you know, these really good options and these you know, opportunities to not pay very much tax. So we take advantage of them when we can. Um, also, they're flexible. If you need to pull money out, you can get you can get to it without, you know, a severe penalty. So I love and Roth also, IRA. And, and I was going to mention, because there are going to be questions on conversions, which, which sure. if, if you have them, we're, we're happy to help. Or you can find somebody that can really do some math, because the one thing that comes to mind, we're going to talk about my favorite pivot here in a second for some older folks listening to this, like me, um, and the ultimate dream of these younger folks, what are they saving for? I'll give you my most underrated second half of life question around taxes and happiness here in one second. But last word on Roth conversions. One pivot from potentially bad news, if an IRA goes down in value quite a bit, or you might be between jobs and you have a year or two or retire early and you don't have income, you could very, very smartly use those planning tools and years of converting. Because when you convert an IRA to a Roth, you owe taxes to do that. If you're able to do that on a depressed value or 
lower bracket, because some people can get into a zero bracket if certain years without reported taxable income, there are some real aggressive, smart strategies on when to think about converting so that you can zoom past this $6,000 limit. But to me, where all this is leading to is, and what we've always said is much better than retirement. And we had a, my, one of my favorite shows, I think it was last, something better than a retirement plan. We call it Freedom Day, when all of your incoming mailbox money exceeds all of your outgoing expenses, needs, and wants. And that day is Freedom Day, and it can be at any age and with any amount. The most underrated question in financial planning and Freedom Day plans, the funnest part of how we've thought to look at, you want to make taxes fun, you should see the maps on my wall where I will show folks where to be when they thought all the questions are supposed to be how and what to invest. Increasingly, with a country with a whole lot of different choices, different state balance sheets, different tax codes, and they're getting more different with every passing day. It is going to be more and more important, and I think exciting, to consider pivoting. Um, my favorite example is one of my favorite families that we worked for that took a house nearby with a $60,000 property tax bill, sold it, built a mansion, for a $15,000 a year property tax bill. Two different states, two different scenarios. And the way to game that a little bit is, I'm, I'm here in Texas and everybody says, oh, it's such a great low tax state. That is true on income, when you're making income. Property tax bill, it was that $60,000. He moved to Colorado. So when you're earning income and you're building plans, um, and one of the maps here is, is that tax burden. So Texas, has half the state and local taxes that our buddies in New York. That's huge. Not to mention the cost of living, because everything has to cost more for them to afford their own taxes, all the goods and services. So it is an enormous difference if you have the ability or the flexibility to consider where you are. And in retirement, that same thing is true, where Texas all of a sudden is twice as expensive property tax as the mountain states, Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, Colorado, so that where, and then there's also a state and social security and different tax treatments on each state. We can help, we have a tax index that we like to look at. Um, it's not how I would start, but it's definitely part of the equation and can change the math amazingly on cost of living. So you could do more with less. Um, so I, I think that will increasingly be a, an important and very fun piece of this puzzle. I love that. And I think that this is going to be even more important um, as time goes on, as technology advances, because you used to have to live in Silicon Valley to work for a big tech firm. You could just as easily do that in Boise, Idaho now with remote work and all that. And so this is a huge part of that. I might be a little uh, biased here, but I like my uncrowded Idaho. Um, you can live like a king in Idaho for like 25 grand a year. So as soon as the people from New York and Los Angeles realize that they're going to, but we do have to put up with negative 10 degree weather for quite a while. So you, you win some, you lose some, but I think this is really important. So just to kind of recap here, you tax, you optimize for taxes with your individual investments. So ETFs and individual equities, 
versus mutual funds makes a big difference. When you zoom out one level, you look at the account types. So you've got Roth IRAs, you've got 401ks, IRAs, you look at conversions. Roth conversions is one of the most powerful tools that you can use. I think about this for every one of my clients that comes in and sits at that table right there. Can we look at a Roth conversion? Um, zoom out even more, it's where are those accounts? Where are you when you're spending from those accounts? So it's much more expensive to live in a high tax state like New York. Um, you look at Texas or Florida where they don't have income tax. Perhaps you need to think of things like property tax um, and perhaps optimizing based on location makes it even better for you. Um, the last set, the last topic and around this out really quickly is mindset. Um, one of the things that I see occasionally with clients is they get fear of making decisions based off of their tax consequence. I have a client, a friend that sold a piece of property and was complaining and kind of joking, I guess. And I'll pick on him because he wouldn't mind if I told the story. You know, I have to pay this much in taxes. It's a big check to write. I don't like writing this. And all I said back to him was, well, look how much money you just made, right? Now you're going to be able to use that money to build a house for your family and their house is going to have a basketball court. Like I can't think of anything cooler than that, right? And so let's talk a little bit about mindset around taxes and what you have seen in terms of just playing the game better and thinking about taxes as something maybe we're lucky to pay, although I cringe at even saying that a little bit, but how, how do we think about this in terms of our mindset? I'll make it simple because I have seen people go out of their way to avoid taxes and literally and unwittingly taking themselves out of the game of capitalism and aging themselves too early. It's really simple. Um, while the crowds are complaining about taxes, and I'll make the safest prediction ever on this show, that's going to grow. The crowds are going to grow. If you listen to any one of our episodes, you know we are diehard, uncrowded thinkers, traders, mindset with our playbook. This is no different. Separate yourself from that argument, debates. It's a waste of time. Whatever the rules are, play the game better. And capitalism will always reward. And we should pay taxes as an unbelievable thank you. It's a rent we get to pay for living in this country. And if it goes up, it's probably a better life. Um, that, that's okay. And taxes are a wonderful problem to have. The planning and investment side of me that we dedicated this show to is I want to keep much more of what we earn. You can do both. That's the mindset. I love it. I think that that is the perfect way to look at taxes. Optimize. It makes a big difference. I mean, if you can save just a couple percentage points a year over the course of your career, you're ending up with a lot more money. Um, it, it's, it's just unbelievable. So if anybody has any questions, please leave a comment below. If you'd like to reach out to us, we would love to work with you, answer more specific questions one-on-one. -on -one. Team at freedomdaysolutions.com is the email to reach out to us. We will get back to you. Um, appreciate you watching the show. If you like it, it'd be great if you subscribe or share it with your friends or like it if you're listening to this on a podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week. This show is brought to you by Freedom Day Solutions, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm advising individuals and families nationwide. Performance is not guaranteed and past results are not necessarily indicative of future performance. To learn more, visit freedomdaysolutions.com. This show contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and was shared for informational purposes only. Any forward-looking statement or opinion expressed is subject to change without notice. Nothing contained herein constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice 
nor is it to be relied on in making investment or other decisions. Clients of Freedom Day Solutions may hold positions in the securities discussed.